Okay, welcome to the show. This is episode one of Odyssey and Muse. Uh, I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we're going to explore the connection between adventure and creativity and living life without a map. So we'll dig into big questions like how to overcome fears, how to plan and execute large projects, and how to discover the things that drive you, uh, finding your true north. So in this episode, my very first episode, I'll be talking to a good friend and independent filmmaker, Sean Cruiser. Uh, we met back in our college days, and I've had the pleasure of working on some of his projects over the last couple of years. He's a writer, director, director of photography, editor, living in the Los Angeles area with his wife, Melissa. And more than anyone I know, he seems to be always writing, always shooting, always editing something that has spawned from his dark and comedic mind. Um, and on top of that, he has a job at UCLA and watches every film and TV series that comes out every day of every week of every year. Um, I can't keep up and I don't know how he does it. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Sean. Uh, and thanks for being on the first episode. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun little blurb you have. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I honestly don't know how you keep up with as much as you do. Cause I'm usually like, well, I watched the last three sort of big movies that came out this last year, but you know, I see, of. I probably go to the theater every weekend. We just saw Selma and a most violent year last time we were at the theater. It was an impromptu oh, nice. double feature. <laughs> How were they? What's your they were both fantastic. I actually didn't know what a most violent year was really about. Um, and yeah, I was really blown away by it. And nice. Selma was amazing. Yeah. I've heard good so, things about Selma. Yeah. Let's just cool. keep talking about movies that are out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Um, I, I was, uh, trying to think about how we kind of first met back in Bowling Green State and, uh, yeah. I wondered if you kind of remembered our first, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was a class or if it was sort of a, what was that thing I, called? I don't think it was a class. I think it was in, I worked in the film lab in Bowling Green my freshman year because I had grant and aid, which was sort of like a scholarship. So I yes. had to work in there to get some money to go towards my school. And I think I, I were you working in there as well? Yeah, I, I was. I know your sister was for. That's right. You met my sister first, Krista. Yeah. So I think it was through there that we met. Actually, I don't know if we had any classes together. I don't I feel we didn't have cinematography together. Maybe not. I, I feel had, like I remember. I had, I had Moonsick for cinematography. Oh, okay, never mind. I think hmm. it's weird because uh, Jimmy Barker, my good friend and roommate who's also out here, he I think he was in cinematography a semester before me, and like for some reason I went to it one or two times. Yeah, maybe and that's Daniel what Williams taught that, and you might that's have been right. in that. <laughs> maybe it was more that I heard about you through cinematography class <laughs> versus some, you being in there. It seemed like you were in there in some way. Some but yeah. asshole who thinks he knows everything. Good old, good old film lab. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a fun, a fun time. But yeah, running out sixteen millimeter film equipment to how, students. I guess. Um, how did you end up deciding to go to Bowling Green? How did that all come about? I mean, were were you? Uh, did you want to be do something film related? Or yeah, were you looking for uh, a film program, and you just yeah, to be I was in the looking area? for film programs. Um, I applied to a bunch of the other big schools actually like out here but and got into a few but like they were just so goddamn expensive and uh I had a pretty good like what was it ACT I think that's one of the tests. Yeah, yeah, one of the, one um, of those tests back in the day. So I like day. along with and Bowling Green I think I knew I think I knew Jimmy no actually it's weird cuz I met Jimmy my senior year of high school and okay. I like I'd been I'd applied and accepted to Bowling Green by like November of my senior year because my like dad, once I started senior year of high school, it's like, you need to get into college, find a college. <laughs> so like, I think Bowling Green I chose cause they were like, out of all the places I went to in Ohio seemed to have a, the best film program or the, yeah. um, I and mean, it was like kind of, of far, <laughs> yeah. And it was like f two hours away from my homes and I wanted to get out of there. Um, so that was like a plus. Um, yeah, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of, weirdly to think about there wasn't too much thought put into it it just seemed like so it was kind of like your your dad was like you need to go to school and you're like oh, okay yeah <laughs> and i like one. it i i wanted to but <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah like is that sort of thing where i probably the whole process of like applying and then like making it up my mind was maybe less than a month yeah that's probably the best um, way to do it because it's a miserable and, process anyway <laughs> yeah and it, and yeah because i think wright state which is my parents live near dayton 
um, and Wright State has a, apparently a pretty good film program there too. Um, and I went there, but they were they were like more competitive actually, and it kind of scared me away because they were like every year we cut out like almost all the film majors, <laughs> and if you don't cut it, you're never gonna be able to make a film. And I was like, oh no. Yeah, so, I think Bowling Green was the total opposite, where it seemed like like seventy percent of the people in that class was just avoiding real college. Yeah, <laughs> and I probably, I mean, I probably would have done fine and thrived at in, in a program like Wright State, but it was still pretty daunting to like a, I was like 17. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go through that much pressure yet. Well, um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge, <laughs> it was just kind of a <laughs> fluke. And then I think I randomly, I don't even remember, because I, I had to like apply for the grant and aid for the film program. And I just made like a weird four minute video of the few projects I had made by that point. Mm-hmm. I think I screened it to Cynthia Barron, who was one of the film professors there. And yeah, I got it. Yeah. And I had to work in the film lab. <laughs> cool. Yeah. She's one of the first people I talked with too. Good old Cynthia Barron. But uh, yes. I guess since we're on the topic of college, maybe we can talk about it really quick. I eventually want to get into kind of how you decided to get into film to begin with and then move into some of your current projects and stuff you're doing. But Mm-hmm. What's what's some of your advice to people that are thinking about going to school for film? Do you think it's worth it? Do you think it was worth it for you? Um, and how do you take uh, advantage of it if you decide to? Yeah. Um, so yeah, going to college. I had a really. I enjoyed college overall, but like I think the film program was interesting because I like had a lot of issues with it. Um, Basically, I think college is worth it, especially for film, because you meet people. Like, I met you, I met, I knew Jimmy before that, but I met Ryan, who's now one of my writing and business partners. Like, I think for film, just meeting people who are around your age and interested in the same stuff is super important. But I think now, like, the actual mechanics of filmmaking is something that you don't really need to go to school for. Yeah. So, so, so you feel like, like you em- got got the connections out of it, but in terms of actual, and not even build- like industry connections. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not like you, uh, you know, Spielberg's son from yeah. going to Bowling Green, but, but people that yeah. you later on went into film and yeah, uh, and um, were able to work with. Yeah, and I st- and I mean I learned a lot in the actual classes, even if like I didn't always get along with the professors, like just how to just the bare mechanics like how to do a set you know slating and all that sort of stuff um and there was probably like a weird like it sounds really hokey to say but like independent spirit that bg had even if i didn't really like a lot of the independent stuff that they show but like yeah a spirit of like even if again they didn't like me doing it like doing stuff on your own regardless of what everybody else was doing because like a lot i made a ton of stuff in college and like maybe 10% of that was for classes. I was just like always making web series and shorts and movies whenever I had the time or could. Um, yeah, and I think I yeah. think that's what makes the difference between someone that goes to school and doesn't really get much out of it versus someone that actually learns some things and makes some progress, it's just the amount of projects you do because it's it's easy to just do the bare minimum and take the classes, but if you Yeah. If you do your own stuff, you have all those resources and people around that you can actually make use of them. So, yeah, I was always running around with a camera or writing stuff in my free time, just because I didn't have many friends. I didn't drink, so I had to do something. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, enough about college. Why, yeah. why don't we go kind of into yeah a little bit earlier? Like, how did you even come into wanting to do something creative? Was film always the first thing that you kind of decided on doing, or? Were you into some other creative stuff for before that? Um, no, film, film wasn't the first thing. I think. Uh, well, I guess telling stories was always pretty high up there. I guess I remember I used to draw all the time. Like probably starting from like first or second grade, I'd fix like notebooks and sketch pads with me just drawing stuff. And I did a lot of my own comic strips in junior high a lot. And then I think around. I think junior high was when I did my first like video project in like eighth grade for language arts and that sort of planted the seeds, but I didn't do anything else video related probably till my like junior year of high school. But I didn't again like the, it was mostly my into my junior year and senior year where I got really into 
doing video projects and editing. I think I discovered Windows Movie Maker because that was free. So I was like, mm -hmm. oh, because I used to, all my old video stuff was cut in the camera by doing one oh, take. Yeah. And then I didn't have a I didn't have a VCR or anything, so so it was literally all on the camera. It's like, all right, set the next angle. Oh yeah, and I remember no doing action, some of that. No action or anything. It's just like, what's next? Hit, if you mess up, it's in there. When I hit so. play, that's the beginning of the cut. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was. Do you that remember was fun. remember the first like video project you worked on? Was it was it something related to school, or did you just happen to have a camera laying around and you? Yeah, it was the yeah the first video project was eighth grade language arts and it was it was sort of like a fake talk show about Romeo and Juliet but <laughs> Romeo and Juliet were played by my dog and my friend's dogs and we were oh. like voicing the dogs like so we were like they were like by the camera doing the voices while we were filming the dogs Is this <laughs> around when Homeward Bound came out maybe <laughs> I don't think so I don't know what the hell we were doing there was like whipping of people it was it was a weird like oh, wow. probably goofy mm -hmm. like comedy video thing which is probably the first inclination for any kids to do stuff like that because you can't do anything that's good so you might as well just yeah. embrace it being shitty try to make your friends so, yeah, laugh was, <laughs> yeah i took like i took like all the art classes too in high school so like i was thinking about it i like <clears throat> probably just getting like the routine of doing something creative all through high school i took on a on a whim i took ceramics my freshman year I think maybe sophomore year and I like loved it because it was like you just like going in kneading the clay and then mm -hmm. doing the projects for the day and then after ceramics one I think I threw up till I graduated I took like ceramics two three and then I was just like there with the then I had just like a free period where I was there with the professor <laughs> and I was getting credit and he was just like I was kind of like his helper but he was just like literally letting me hang out and make whatever the hell I wanted which was kind of That's what ceramics two and three were like because I think I made like tons of weird figurines and stuff that weren't yeah. even like using, I mean, they were using all the techniques that he had taught us, but they were just not at all close to what he was wanting the normal students to do, like make a pot <laughs> or this box. Yeah, yeah. So like I did That's that for awesome. like three years straight where it's like you get in a routine where every day you're like just doing like the mechanics of, oh, getting the clay ready and then starting to make this new figure. Did you, did you ever use any of your ceramics techniques in your early films? Did you ever no, do any stop? No, <laughs> stop no I, I, I didn't. I never got into stop motion. I mean, I did like, I did a Star Wars short. I think my junior year or senior year, which like, which is like thinking of the process is crazy because it was like a DV cam probably, which in Windows Media I exported to some sort of DVI file, mm -hmm. and then in like a trial version of After Effects I did like, I think JPEG stills of each frame with like rotoscoping a lightsaber over like pvc pipe um <laughs> and that was like that was the end of me wanting to do any sort of effects or yeah just the pain of sitting detail. there and learning that yeah, I, frame by frame because yeah. <laughs> i wanted i almost wanted to be an anim animator like probably when i was like in junior high uh -huh. when i was still drawing a lot and doing comic strips but like i had like a few flip books that i had started but then i think you realize then and there it's like just too much work yeah, it's, you gotta you I gotta be patient and I know it's tedious. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, I I know you've uh, I've talked to you about it a little bit. You were a military brat growing up, so you kind of moved around the, the yeah, world I moved quite around a bit. A lot. Um, do, you, do you think yeah. uh, that experience had any effect on kind of maybe your vision now in terms of creativity and filmmaking, or um, were any of those experiences kind of formative in your creative um, life? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any... The only, like, influence I can think of that it probably had on me was it made me way more, not introverted, but, like, I didn't have a lot of friends because I moved around, like, two or every, like, two years, basically. So it was... I mean, kids are fucking mean, so yeah. it's like whenever you're the new kid in the beginning or middle of the year, it's like, who's this weird kid? And so I, it kind of made me, like, retreat into myself in media and video games and movies and you know do you think that might have been like part of the reason you got more interested in this and doing drawing and stuff like that was oh yeah totally because like when I, li I lived in germany for two years and we lived off base actually so like we just my family lived in this village um and we were the only american speaking 
people, English speaking American, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were the only English speaking people. A few, actually, a few of the German kids kind of had broken English, but uh, yeah. they were like way older than me. I was like 10 or 11 and they were like 18. So like that was a lot of like, I remember I would get up early for school every day and like watch a Disney movie, like in its entirety. Uh, That's how early I would, and I would do that every day. Holy I just cow. get up, <laughs> watch a Disney movie. Kid. Like, at, yeah, like at five in the morning, um, watch a Disney movie or play a little bit of a vi- whatever video game I was playing, yeah. like some Final Fantasy or Metal Gear or something. I remember um, morning cartoons because I'd watch like G.I. Joe's or Aladdin or something, the, the yeah. Aladdin cartoon well, we didn't, In school. Germany, there was no TV. Uh, okay. Uh, like, I think we, I think we had a, there was like one military channel that sometimes got shows and more like sitcoms or something like a few months after the fact that they would show. Um, but that was like at night. So yeah, I, I, I watched movies on repeat over and over <laughs> when I lived so, in, I remember in Germany, especially. Yeah. Did you, did you interact with the, the general population very much or was it mostly other kids on base type thing? What was, what was school like there? Um, it was mostly, yeah, most of my, like, my, I mean, we had, there were a few family friends that we had that were, were pretty close with, but they were all girls, so I didn't, like, hang out with them that much, and they were all younger than me, too. But, yeah, most of it was just kids on base that I hung out with. That was, I think, fourth, fifth, and sixth, or no, fifth, sixth, and, like, half of seventh grade was yeah. when I was there in school. Um, and they were... It was, it was, that was, those were actually pretty normal years. They didn't like have any super close friends or anything, but like, it was just normal, not dramatic uh, <laughs> living. Did you, Germany. did you ever make any videos when you were in the other no, countries this, or was it more when you came this back? Would, this was like, yeah, I was like, this was right before probably. Cause I start the first, yeah. First video I ever did was like in eighth grades and I was in Germany to the middle of seventh. Okay. Where were you at um, in eighth grade? Uh, Ohio. That was when. Okay, you were back in. I was Ohio. still living on. I was living on base in Ohio. That was mm-hmm. when we moved there. Uh, yeah. Do you think uh, any of that? I, I mean, I don't know. Did you face a lot of rejection? No. Just from the kids, it, or were you, did you kind of figure out a way to fit in after moving around so much? I remember. Yeah, it was. Well, it was weird in Germany, especially. So we had like an hour-long commute, basically, because we were like the first stop on the bus. Um, so it would go through all these villages on the main road and then drop them off on the base. But it was K through 12, which was the word. It's like, <laughs> seriously, think about that. Like kindergarten. Seniors and kindergartners. That's, yes. That's terrible. It was crazy. Um, so like the, it was, and it was almost like the seating was sort of like that too, where it was like the kindergartners were in the front and then like slowly you got older and then the back were the seniors. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I think about it a lot. I knew I did. I like kind of sometimes talk to the seniors and I was like in fifth, sixth grade. Um, and they actually talked about movies a lot. And I do remember them talking about the first matrix a ton, uh-huh. which I, which I saw in theaters too. And we got movies like three or four months later. They talked about the matrix a ton and they talked about, uh, what else was it? Maybe it was just the matrix. There was yeah. one guy who was obsessed with the matrix. <laughs> so you were able to make some connections through your, yeah, there were there Love were probably yeah some some <laughs> f- a few film yeah connections there. Um, that's funny to think about. I haven't thought about that in a while. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I remember what was it in grade school? There were these kids. This is like this is why you see how shitty kids are. There were these kids who I just moved. I think to California. And it was in like second or third grade, and a few kids like for some reason didn't really like me, and they like came up with a club and like a symbol they drew on their hand that meant that they hated me (laughs) wow (laughs) that's pretty intense so the club actually like picked you out yes as their Um, symbol yeah oh my god (laughs) kids are terrible and they didn't i think they kind of beat me up once but not really it's just funny to think about um kids are weird um but no how how old were you when that happened and that was like probably second or third grade. Okay. So how old, how old? Like ten, yeah, maybe. You're pretty young. Nine, but nothing, nothing like super traumatic. I guess it's just yeah. people being weird. <laughs> Strange, silly. It somehow, kids. it somehow informs your creative psyche. <laughs> no one ever waterboarded you or anything. That's <laughs> no, <up. laughs> no, never got yet. that bad. <laughs> not yeah. yet. It could be in the future. Hopefully not. But yeah. uh, I mean, do you think those experiences? helped you help you now in terms of dealing with just the film business and 
the pain of like starting a new project and working I mean, with new people and probably yeah i mean if you think about it like anybody who's doing film stuff you got to be such a glutton for punishment because you have to you're like pushing this rock up a hill the entire time while other rocks are falling on you <laughs> that's um, a good way to put it <laughs> and then sometimes the rock you're pushing falls on you and you go down with the rock uh, <laughs> And yeah, it sucks. Like thinking about like the ceramics thing, <clears throat> I kind of sometimes I do wish like there was something artistic that I could do on my own that would be done like super quick. Because film is like mm -hmm. probably one of the only things where you need like so many other people's time and effort to get it done, and it takes so goddamn long. It can be really frustrating, but it, it's 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 worth it in the end, I think. But. Definitely. Uh, if I if I could if I could draw better, I think I would I would have written and done like a thousand comics by now. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's why I'm always trying to find something else to do too, because it's uh it takes forever to make something. Yeah, and anything. I mean, even <laughs> like I'm not. I love music, but I'm not musically inclined in any mm -hmm. way. I can't play it. It's like I wish I could, because it's like oh, I have this idea for a song. I can just play it on this instrument yeah, I yeah. have, and it's yeah, you can take five years out of your life to learn a new instrument. You know. No, <laughs> no, I don't have the patience. <laughs> uh, cool. So yeah, it's. I mean, and so yeah, all those experiences probably did help. It, I guess it gave me somewhat of a tough skin to persevere in some way yeah uh, how did you decide to to move out to LA was that always kind of the plan after college <clears throat> you know not really and thinking about how truncated because I graduated early actually so I graduated a semester early from BG um, so I graduated in the fall in December and I moved out to LA uh, in June so yeah, it was only like six months I was home. I was just kind of hanging out and I made like a ton of projects with friends in that period of time. But I think it was Melissa, my wife, we weren't married or dating then, but she just called me, I think in like February and she was like, hey, I'm moving to LA with a few people. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, okay. And that was- <laughs> That sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah. I was I like, that's, that. that's where movies are made. So yeah. it's probably a good idea. Um, and yeah, and then slowly, I don't know, it all happened pretty fast. Um, I was out here and I didn't know anybody or anything. And I slept on Mike Robinson and Matt Burnside's empty uh, <laughs> carpet on a towel for like the first oh, week at out here. Because towel, that's good. Yeah, because <laughs> Melissa and I didn't know the area at all. And we were like looking at apartments in like Inglewood and Compton. Oh, God. It was like terrifying. Is there. Um, yeah. What, what, what were the first couple months like? I mean, was was there some? Oh, they were doubt awful. The first like maybe should move home, or I mean, request. Oh yeah, I, luckily I had like a good amount of money saved up, so like I was able to like get by and pay rent and like sort of buy groceries for like <laughs> the first six months, I think. Um, and during that time, I I booked this documentary after the fact but man those those first six months were shitty like were you looking for freelance work what was what was your goal yeah, when well, you came out there yeah I was looking for I was literally looking for anything like and this was right this was uh yeah summer of 2009 so like the economic crash had just happened so like it was probably literally the worst time to move any Ooh, yeah, to any big city time. ever and I was I mean, I was looking at on all, like there's so many websites for any sort of industry work. And then I was applying to any job, whatever. Like I was applying to like uh, Best Buy and crap like that uh -huh. um, and getting nothing. No, like I <laughs> couldn't even get a Best Buy job. No, I, oh. I interviewed and uh, I, I couldn't speak Spanish. So oh, God. that. That was the deal breaker, basically. And the fact that I'd, like, just moved out here, they saw as, like, really bad. Like, they were yeah. like, oh, so wh why'd you move out here? I was like, oh, uh, you know, I just wanted kind of a change, and I kind of want to make movies. And they were like, you shouldn't have come out here. And I was like, oh. <laughs> They're like, okay. that's a terrible idea. Yeah. This guy's going to be um, gone in a month. We can't hire him. <laughs> that's yeah. They all thought. It was, man, it's, it's rough. I don't know. People who do last, I mean... You have to give them so much credit because it, it's hard. Yeah. 
It's very true. And then I got I got that <clears throat> documentary gig, and that lasted for a while. But even that was like, it wasn't the best paying thing yeah. ever. I helped me pay like rent and stuff, but it was still just like. So bad. was this like, the documentary first, like, you edited for like a year? Yeah. Well, I shot it for like a year, and then we edited for like. I'm trying to think like how long it was probably like a year and a half, maybe two total that I worked on it. Um. That's a pretty good amount of time. So were you getting paid like almost <clears throat> like a full time employee? Um, yeah, it was like super, super like low <laughs> weight. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like it was, <laughs> it was barely, wage, it was barely livable. <laughs> um, and I mean barely under like barely like five times. Um, but it was it was a job. Um, and I, I did other side work for the director too. He had other weird side jobs that were just usually like manual labor stuff that I would sometimes help with, um, for some extra money. But yeah, that was the first, yeah, two years. It was fucking tough. So I don't know. <laughs> how did you, how did you make it through that and get to the point where I feel like now you, um, your life is stable enough that you can actually focus on making your own projects and you're, you're surviving out there and you're also working yeah. on things that you want to work on. So kind of, how was that transition made? <clears throat> I mean, part of it's part of it's just somehow sticking through it all. I mean, it again, like I said, it was it was hard, and but there was always some. There was like, and then you just have to like start. I think meeting people, and you have like a support system. Like it's weird how many people I now know out here from like Bowling Green that I didn't know when I was at Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. Like like Mike Robinson's now one of my like best friends. We didn't know he went to Bowling Green at the same time I did. I never met him when I was in BG. I just randomly met him the first day I was out here. Um, so having like, I think having people who are like sort of in the same situation as you lets you like form that's not support group, but like you camaraderie like, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Camaraderie. Like you're all going through the same thing. Um, so that helps a lot. And then I don't know. Yeah. Just, I think that's a big thing. And then just hoping that it's going to get better. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. How, you have to you have to have goals though like I always like my during the documentary my I used to have a Sony HDR FX1 it was like a HDV camera mm -hmm. and I just started to like through the dock and other things getting like small like side gigs as well and like on the second or third one that I did it was like a spec commercial it broke and <laughs> it was yeah, like the worst thing going ever. to that story a little bit because well that, so <laughs> You had some insurance uh, issues, didn't you? Yeah. Again, this is like the time of the economic crash. So like my the tripod like gave out. Like one of the uh legs gave out. Like mm -hmm. it was um it was tightened but the tension was gone. So it just like and I, I had a H Sony HDR FX one with the uh fuck the lettuce adapter? Called? The third yeah, the lettuce so like the people they're so dumb if you think about them now. There was like this <laughs> bulky, heavy thing that lets you put 35 millimeter still lenses on like it was almost like a cameras. little periscope on the front wasn't it yeah and it, it was like so you could get you there. could use like still lenses or film lenses and get like depth of field because you the, all the early digital yeah. cameras were had yeah, small this is pre-dslr and all yes the big yes digital cameras um so but like people went through every single length they could to get some sort of depth of field and so I got one of those, and I had one of those for like a year and a half or two years. I had that on my Sony along with the lens and on this tripod. And yeah, the, I think we had shot half this commercial in this really cool Prohibition bar in Venice Beach. Actually, um, it was really uh, it was really cool. Uh, I was lighting it like a noir uh, film, and yeah, like halfway through it. The leg gave out and it fell on its side and there were they were cement floors so uh, it hit like right it hit right where like probably the lens and sensor are and it wouldn't turn on nothing was happening. Oh god, uh, oh, that was bad. I don't know like how I didn't like just cry <laughs> in front of all the people there. There was like the guy paid me and all the actors and like somebody else. Uh, but yeah, and so that happened and then I found out that the insurance that I had on it. Uh, the company that did the claim had gone out of business during the economic downturn. So I don't know. So there was like literally like a dead end everywhere. So, <laughs> so, I was like, so you were paying for this insurance that basically just disappeared and yeah. And then you were, screwed. um, 
It was crazy. Well, it was like, it, yeah, it was, it was something that I only paid for once. So it wasn't okay. something I was continually paying for. That would have, that would have been insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're just sending so money yeah. into the void. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that happened. That actually happened in the middle of filming the documentary too. So we had to like scramble to get another camera to finish. Uh, so you were that. using your camera for that as well. Yeah. Um, oh. And you didn't we, get we got- another camera until the red, right? Yeah. How many so years later. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's, that's like, the crazy thing is there was like probably two or three years where I didn't have a camera and I like uh I wrote uh, I did I will say I like during the documentary and all that I wrote a ton of scripts um I I probably I mean they're probably over here I have like a stack I have a stack of like 15 or so I definitely want to get into that I mean what's what's kind of your process because I I don't know too many people that actually write and finish as much stuff as you do it seems like you're always writing something like in that little intro i wasn't lying when i said you're always <laughs> writing or always shooting or always editing yeah. something. i don't know i think it's i think it's part of like i don't know it's weird I'm, i keep coming back to the ceramics thing but it's just like i don't know it's just like a muscle that you keep exercising so it's like i feel like if i have an idea i'm just gonna write it down brainstorm it and then see if i can keep writing it uh i'm at a weird place now where I feel like I can't write stuff or I don't get excited about writing stuff if I know I can't now shoot it. Uh huh. So like all these scripts that I wrote probably in 2010 and 11 are like crazy, like sci-fi anthologies and like, uh, huge, uh, spy action comedies and stuff like that. So like, just like stuff that are, is not doable unless you have a ton of money. But now, I'm in this weird place where I'm like, I need, I need to write something that I can like cast and now shoot feasibly. So do you think that's kind nothing. of holding you back? Cause you're like, ah, like this project sounds interesting, but I can't really shoot it. So maybe I won't do that. And you think that's, um, pro- it probably you- is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, there's a ton of like just backlogged ideas that like myself and even myself and Ryan have, um, that I would love to write. Um, it's just now. It's a combination of like getting excited and finding the time, especially if you're writing with somebody. Like, I can write on my own weight like super easily because at UCLA I have a job that's kind of like working freelance in production, where we're either really busy or really dead. So when we're really dead, I have, I'm still getting paid, so I have time to just, I have to fill the time, so I yeah. might as well fill it with something creative, so I can just write the day away. Um, but Do when it's like something Ryan and I are doing, it's like we have to find the time we're both available, drive to each other at us to a same location, and then like get into the groove to like it takes like probably like half an hour to an hour to like <laughs> actually get into the groove of actually riding, and then it starts to get late after like <laughs> three or four hours, and it's like oh, okay, maybe we wrote like five pages if we're lucky. How do you guys um, write when you write together? Uh, we've done two different ways. We did the first two scripts we did was more of a uh, pass back and forth like here's a scene take a pass send it back I'll do another pass talk about it um, and then we've also but the last like two that we had written are like us literally in the same room he's usually typing and then we're just uh, talking back and forth about are you the like scenes. pacing around with a pencil in your mouth and yeah <laughs> yeah I actually I don't pace actually I, I sit down I usually I feel like when I write with somebody a lot of what I do is just make really stupid jokes about it and then say would this work <laughs> and then sometimes it does work so kind of like the what if guy what if yeah you yeah do this yeah but it's just I think it's especially with Ryan it's just you have to fill the page I think a lot of people can get scared of a blank page and you just have to start typing and eventually it'll be there'll be a ton of words there some of it might be good some of it might be bad um so what's it like for you when you when you sit down to write i mean do you ever do you ever have days when you're just sitting there in front of the computer and nothing really comes out or are no you, are you actually, able to just kind of get yourself really, writing yeah, pretty easily one thing i'm like proud of is i can if i really get in a groove i can like crank out a lot of pages like i think the most pages i ever wrote was like 20 in a day but that was like that was probably like from nine to five like literally me just typing, typing away typing away like stream of conscious a bunch of stuff um but no, i'm usually i've never luckily i've never just looked at a blank page for four or five <laughs> hours pounding yourself in the head do you have any yeah. like 
habits or rituals and like to get you into that zone do you do you like have a certain cup of coffee that you drink every time or, <laughs> or is it kind of um, just like wherever you're at if you have your computer around you'll just whip it out and yeah i i think i just i think i just need to like put ideas down on paper or a document like i have so i have like a google doc just full of so many random documents that i've started that are usually dated with like some sort of subject line and then just like paragraphs and paragraphs of just random stream of conscious ideas and then I think once I get those down even if I don't reference them specifically for like a script or something once that I've like put that down on paper it's just the act of you know getting it out like helps a lot to process it all and then I can easily get into like writing actual pages yeah so it's almost um, goes back to that like rewriting where you're just like getting ideas out of there and then it's more yeah yeah, it's very. It it's a lot like it's a lot like taking notes in class almost, where you look. Where I, I guess it's just been ingrained to me. Where it's like if I copy what the professor or whatever is writing, I learn it. I actually, I think I, I learn a lot better by doing stuff actually. But like for writing specifically, it's like mm-hmm. if I've gotten it down that one time, the next time I go at it, will be a lot easier. And it's now gotten to the point too where I think. I maybe rewrite too much, but we'll. Uh, that's nothing's nothing's <laughs> can never ever rewrite done. too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the film <laughs> we're the film we're, we're shooting now doesn't have a lock script at all, and it's it's. Hey, bad. Stanley Kubrick was typing lines the day of, you know, <laughs> I, shooting. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's okay. So you're that. you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. So I how mean, did you? Probably, you probably got how many drafts of Chase the Dark? You probably got like four. Yeah, I got a few of them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I probably read like one and a half of them. I was like, I'll wait until he's done rewriting. Yeah, when, which is never. When we're, so when we're shooting, I'll maybe read that version. Yeah, so sort of leading into that, when did you start actually shooting your own projects when you were out in LA? Because it seems like it took a little while before you actually got stable enough to be able to do that. Yeah, I. Uh yeah, I shot a bunch of like random shorts with uh, Mike Robinson and Zach Meinke and Matt Burnside um, when I still had the camera before it busted. And then Mike actually bought a uh, one of the Canon DSLRs. So we shot a bunch of short films on that for probably a year or two. Was one of those um, the one where Mike guesses people's middle names? That yeah, Le, <laughs> Le, Le What's Profile that Le Profile France or something like that. It's like a weird French short film it's all in french yeah. that's that's um, one of really my favorite funny. shorts that you guys it's really great that's like pure mike um uh, it was hilarious yeah we'll have see, to we we'll, we'll list all your list uh, social networking stuff, stuff yeah. at the end but yeah that's um, definitely one to check out so yeah that one we did we did a lot of stuff like that we probably did a good like five or six things like that and then uh so was that stuff mostly like mike and other people wrote or was any of that yeah, that stuff? stuff. No, that stuff was all, all. I think almost all Mike. Usually, um, him writing and directing. And when I say when I say writing by Mike, Mike's we show up on set to film like in the morning, and Mike's like, I kind of have this idea. I don't really know what it is. I can't explain it, but we'll just do it. Um, <laughs> Shoot. Which is always which is always amazing. Um, so yeah, those are all uh, Mike's stuff. And somehow and, funny stuff comes out of it usually. So. Oh yeah, it's the best. <laughs> so yeah, we did that. Um, and then, let's see, in 2012 now, I think. Let me look at the date. Yeah. Um, I'd been like, I'd been going crazy because I hadn't shot since I'd moved out to LA. I'd written a, all these scripts, but I'd like, I hadn't made anything in a while. And uh, I was going crazy through that because I just needed to like do something. And uh, Melissa and I, got like a really good tax return for the first time uh-huh. um because i think i had i just started working at ucla maybe anyways uh but we got a really good tax return so i was uh i convinced her to like let me use half of it or something to like go towards a nice camera rental and uh studio rental and i wrote this uh weird little short called blind bet um, that we filmed in February, yeah, February of 2012. Okay, yeah, so that was maybe like six, eight months before I moved out there. Yeah. And I think you have um, a good story about this. Um, <laughs> the worst maybe story. Maybe one of your <laughs> more painful projects. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and it was a great, I mean, I met I met a bunch of great people through that. I met the actors. I met Vic, Vic May through there, um, through oh, auditions. and uh, Todd. Yeah, Todd was in it as well. Um, he has great... We've, I rented a Red Epic for the first time I ever shot on a Red, and I got 
Lomo anamorphic lenses that flare crazily. And <laughs> I rented this uh, uh, studio space in a really shitty area of like downtown Los Angeles. Perfect. Um, it was like it was run by these two guys who I think were younger than me. And I was like, God damn it. What am I doing with my life? Um, <laughs> they own the building or like, yeah, yeah, they were, uh, they were, they had like all their gear and they did music videos and stuff. And I think, well, one of them was probably older than me, but I think one was definitely younger than me who was also this guy. <laughs> so we filmed it on one day cause it costs like 800 bucks for the day. Uh-huh. And, but this, the, the entire day, the younger guy was sleeping on an air mattress in like one of the edit suites. And he came out at the end of the day. We didn't know he was there the entire time because, uh, at the end of shooting, when it had gotten dark, there were like crickets, like in the ceilings, making noises. Yeah. So, so terrible. Like literally, literally the <laughs> terrible last for stage. <laughs> yeah, the the last like two setups. It's it's hilarious. I remember it. Getting Zach Meinke, who was uh, there, he was he had to like bang on the huge metal door um, to get them to shut up for like maybe 10 seconds and then we would like so i was like doing a close up on todd i'd be like all right wait todd bang 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 and then todd would say his lines and the crickets would come back and be like okay we got that line crickets are back bang 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 okay todd next line (laughs) just like just like this you you just had like (laughs) Like, a routine of like yeah the silence the crickets the most (laughs) lo-fi filmmaking techniques ever and luckily that that was like the last like page of dialogue so were those guys like living in there too maybe they were like double dipping they're like well we need a place to live and we can rent this out Maybe they had they had a <laughs> ton a of gear. Like. They had like they had gotten they had gotten like one of the first Scarlets because I think that had just come out, and they had like a dozen Epics and a ton of gear and glass um, on this like locked locker. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I made that. Met a bunch of cool people. And then I started editing it. Had a let's see. Actually, I had finished it. Um, and Jason, my friend who does music for me, had done all the music, but uh, in the process of that, the hard drive that everything was backed up on when I was backing it up uh, fell. <laughs> so it like fell off your table? Because I tripped or? over the cord. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like what, going across the threshold or something? Or uh, Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was, uh, that, was, that was bad. That was one of the lowest days ever. Um, and it probably, and it only fell like two feet but it went onto hardwood floors again, and uh-huh. uh, it was spinning, of course, in the middle of it. So, oh, if it had, it probably would have been recoverable, um, if it, if it hadn't have been on, and it probably wouldn't have been as like it fucked up if it, uh, yeah, hadn't been running. So I lost that short film. It's online, and like, cause I had a, a rough, I had the cut that I sent to Jason which was a rough cut that wasn't the final cut with any color yeah. grading or anything or sound mixing. Yeah, like time um, on it and stuff, right? Yeah. So that's online it. if people are ever curious. Um, so how... It would have been it would have been like two minutes shorter, I think. That was the difference. I like really trimmed it up. Uh, how did yeah, you recover from that? Did it set you back for a while? I mean, it, <sighs> you, you put in there quite a probably, bit of money and time. Yeah, it, and I mean, edited it. yeah. Because it, <laughs> it, it costs, it co- I mean, it costs probably like almost $4,000. Uh, which is crazy. Um, but and the, this was the, like your first project since you moved out to LA too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like kind of the good thing, I guess the silver lining was, so when we, Melissa and I were, I mean, Melissa is like my biggest fan. She supports me in everything. Um, so she was like, when it first happened, she was like, don't worry, we'll send it to a recovery place. Um, and we'll make it work regardless of the cost. Um, and re- data recovery is fucking expensive. Like, oh yeah, they know they. It would have cost. It would have cost just as much probably to get the data recovered as like the short. Um, so through that, we like started doing budgets to see how we could like make it work. And through that, kind of made me go, we could totally afford to like own a camera. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. Like through that, through that, like three or four months, and then we found out. Oh, you mean you, you did like a like a home budget for you guys, just yeah. to kind of see yeah. what your expenses. Yeah, it was like, and so I was like, yeah, oh, we could totally, yeah, actually own like an Epic or something, and I could just even if this ever happened again, it wouldn't, it would be still catastrophic, but not as catastrophic. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of um, like because what, what to, happened, everybody oh, was ahead. like, oh, are you gonna shoot it again? You you can you can make it again, right? I'm like, no. I don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it again. It's over. <laughs> it's yeah. It's done. I'm sorry. It's on to the next one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that like that's put that 
kernel in my mind, and then that was another. So is this how whole Burning process. Shade Productions came about? Was this kind of the spawn of it, maybe? Yeah, that actually it was. That was the same year, actually. Like Ryan and I formed the company. I think that that September, the end of September. Um, Talk a little bit about that. How you guys <laughs> decided to do it? Why you decided to do it? I guess. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan, Ryan and I met in college through. Jimmy, they had a class. I think they had from concept to distribution together with Moonsick Chung. Um, so I met Ryan through there, and then I didn't know Ryan super well in college, but he moved out. I think the January after I had moved to LA, and he was probably one of the only other people. He hit me up saying, "Oh, if you ever want to grab coffee, let's grab coffee." So we we did, and uh, just through there, we just started. Uh, hanging out, talking movies and scripts, and then it wasn't immediate, but probably, I don't know, over the course of like the next year, we just started talking about projects we wanted to do and write, and then we started, <clears throat> wrote this crazy like sci-fi, alternate sci-fi reality thing called The Third Realm, which is kind of like Planet of the Apes meets, uh, I don't know, Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of thing, where uh -huh. a bunch of astronauts go through a wormhole and or back on Earth in the 1950s where the Nazis won World War II. So, <laughs> oh, nice. so this was before you decided to only write stuff that you can shoot then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's, really, it's a fun script. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe one day it'll get made. I mean, our, like, our big, it's funny because like, when we were writing it, like I think right near the end, like NASA had just gotten shut down. We were like, fuck, like, now our <laughs> script makes no sense. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a fun script. Um, so yeah, we we started that, and then we uh, that was that was all after Burning Shade had like been officially a company, and yeah, making a company just was officially just so we could uh, you know, pay taxes, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep track and of then, uh, finances. Yeah, for and the then films. get stuff. Yeah, and then uh, it helps a lot with the camera stuff, obviously with financials for all that stuff all boring stuff but i guess necessary when did you i, I don't want to go into the long story about it but when did you put in the order for your red dragon uh, and when did you actually get it <laughs> so you you did you guys start the company before you decided to buy the camera um actually no i well part of my part of my when we started talking about making a company was i told Ren i was like i want to get a camera i want to get a camera so we can like make stuff as often as we want um he was like, okay, cool. So, yeah, when we started in late 2011, like, the intention was to get a camera almost, hopefully immediately. And if anybody knows Red Digital Cinema, who make one of the top uh, cinema cameras, digital cinema cameras now, uh, they're notorious for setting dates and not meeting them in any shape or way. And I think yeah. originally they were saying uh, the dragon was gonna come out, which was their new sensor, was gonna come out, I think, in maybe the spring of 2012. So, which, oh, wow, that was the uh, that was the initial. Uh, I think I think so. It was really close to when we originally were thinking mm -hmm. of like putting an order in and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it, it didn't come out <laughs> in yeah. spring of 2012. So like, I think there was like a. We almost got an MX originally because there was like a price drop, I think, on the uh -huh. MX by a considerable amount that fall. And I was already, I was stupid slash like, oh, we can just wait and wait for the dragons. So yeah, might as well we, wait for the better sensor. It won't be that yeah, long. So, so we, the, wait, we waited and two, two, two years later, we finally got it. I think. So what, you put in the order in like July? I, I put the order in, no, not 2012, 20, wait. 20. What is what year is it? It would have been 2013, 2013, I think. Okay. And then I put it in on my birthday. I put, I, yeah, I put the order in on my birthday in 2013, and I think the delivery of the camera was like July 1st or something. Oh my god. 2014. It's almost which criminal. Is crazy. And we got and we got a. This is why I'm happy that we. It, it's it's all the waiting sucked, but like. Uh, You've got an amazing camera now. <laughs> we got well, yeah. There's that, but we were one. Of, we got one of the new ones. Like we didn't have to wait in a line to get our sensor because Red upgrades their sensors, um, and you you have to wait in the line basically depending on your priority of when you got your camera and put in your sensor upgrade. Mm -hmm. So like we didn't have to wait in. We still had to wait in the line of new dragons, but that line was like significantly 
shorter than like there are people still who probably got their original epics that are still waiting yeah to, to get upgrade those re- replaced yeah which i'll we'll get to do i'm sure whenever their next sensor so now, now you have an awesome out. camera um i mean i helped you shoot some stuff in what 2012 2013 uh so you you yes. rented some cameras while you were waiting for that one mm-hmm. uh but then you had you had a pretty big project that you were going to do this last year and i, mm-hmm. I kind of just want you to talk about we're, we're actually getting a little close to the end but i want you to talk about that project chase the dark and then kind of how that led into far off and what you're doing now because i don't, I don't know if that would have even happened if if the yeah events that took place didn't that's true so, so chase the dark was this like uh i don't know horror adventure film that has been like sort of in my brain since god i probably wrote the first draft of that in the fall of 2011 or 2012 i can't remember it's all kind of a blur um but most of 2013 was spent developing this project with uh our friends and good friends at this uh film not distribution film film sales company um continental media so we developed that for like a year trying to find financing and we got a few close bites but nothing ever ever solidified and then something did solidify in the beginning of 2014 um and i but then i had to develop the project even more a lot uh more rapidly like basically i had to do like three no i had to do one first i had to do a page one rewrite for notes from a producer that they brought on mm-hmm. and then like that was like literally a page one rewrite of basically everything still a similar structure but like everything was entirely new then i had to like rewrite entirely the last like third of the script after that and then i had to like cut down a lot of it and then still polishing and rewrites so were, were you and guys that, going into meetings or was this more like you would yeah, send off all, the script and then they would give you was, notes back or it was both um it was like the first i mean there was like the first meeting um it was like a long like two to three hour meeting with like us continental and the producer and just getting feedback and notes on what they had read from the script and then probably took a month to do that first page one rewrite and then uh so by page one rewrite you mean you basically rewrote the whole script from page one? yeah literally page one like everything i didn't i didn't reuse because because a lot of the a lot of the character stuff remained pretty similar, but like just the, me- the like backstory mechanics of the script were like totally new. And I knew that cutting and pasting the old stuff would just be yeah really annoying and hard. So it was better to just so they give start you like fresh. more structural suggestions in terms. It was of, like, a lot plot, of uh, it was a lot of they wanted the producer wanted a lot of like basically backstory and lore that the original version didn't have, and he wanted like. There's basically like a, an evil entity in the script, and mm-hmm. he wanted it to be a specific thing. In the first draft, it, it's kind of just like not specified ever. Um, so he wanted it to be it's a witch in the in the rewrite. So I did basically make up a bunch of lore and what was what was uh, that whole process like? Because this was I think this was the first time you really had to work with a producer in terms of rewriting your own material. Yeah. Right? So what, what um, do you feel like it was? Uh, bettered because of that or were you just like oh why do I have why am I doing this this (laughs) this isn't what I really wanted to do uh it's it's a back and forth process of that I do think the final script that we that I came up with is a lot stronger than like the first one but it's definitely it's just like a weird I don't know it's a weird back and forth where you're trying to appease them because a lot in the back of your head it's like I'm doing this because the movie is going to get made so Like I, and it was basically guaranteed. <laughs> um, so it's a lot, it's like trying to appease that and do stuff that makes sense for you. Um, but not like doing too much that just doesn't make sense. You, you want it to all work. Uh, yeah. So what happened? So yeah, it was an interesting what? process. Um, so yeah, we had, we had everything done and turned in probably in April. Um, like the script was locked and we had brought on a line producer and we're, starting to look at locations and had some of the cast and waiting for other things. Um, and we were in a slate of films. It was five films and they were going to shoot all back to back. And we were the second one. Uh, and I think a week into shooting the first one, the financer slash distributor 
couldn't make payments, <laughs> so the money Ooh. fell through. Um, they still finished that movie through, I don't know how where they got the money, but they finished it. Yeah. Um, and everybody else <laughs> didn't happen. So we were, it's not, <laughs> so Chase the Dark didn't happen. Um, if we had been lucky. So you basically went one. from like being green lighted to um, you kind of didn't hear anything for a while and then you find out it just, the money fell through and that was that basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, we hadn't heard from actually anybody for like a month and it was like so stressful because we were like, uh, we haven't cast certain roles. We haven't locked any locations. We don't have money to spend on like creature effects or yeah, anything. I think I remember like, driving around with you looking at locations and like, oh, yeah. this, we could be shooting this in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> extremely knows? stressful. And, I, and we also didn't have the camera yet, so we were like freaking out like oh, expense-wise. Right. Like, like, are we going to have to rent a camera? camera for a month? Or No, it's, it's crazy. If we would have still had the same start date, we would have got, I think the camera got delivered on, yeah, it was like July 1st, and we were supposed to start shooting, I think, the 5th or something. So we would have just, just made it. So we would have we just made it. Um, so what happened? Yeah, it, it you kind of went through uh, a few months of being like, well, it doesn't look like this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, you got your camera like, now, so what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got the camera and almost like, I think immediately, let's see, I probably started, so I had this other script, one of the scripts that I had written, uh, called far off and it was actually a pilot and I'd always, I'd written that pilot with the idea that like, oh, I could easily film this at some point cause it was pretty character driven, but kind of weird and different. Um, so I looked at that and I was like, oh, this, I think I could maybe expand this into a feature. Cause at the, I think this pilot was maybe like 35 pages. So I, mm -hmm. over like a week and a half sort of brainstormed and then I expanded that to like a, I think it was like an 80 page. Yeah, about an 80 something page feature. And uh, I was like, oh, I think I could make this with, you and I, we did a short film called Fuck the Lake in April. Yeah, it was supposed was to be a like one. a supposed to be a test run for Chase the Dark, um, but I was like, I think I could shoot this with like a lot of the same actors that I'd used with that, along with some a few new faces, and uh, yeah. And I started. I reached out to like friends, probably in like August. I was like, Hey, I have an idea, because uh, I want to keep making stuff, and I don't have anything to shoot now, but we have a camera, and uh, yeah, everybody was down, and we started. So how long, how long did it take you to write that script from the pilot to? Well, I'm still. I mean, I know you're still it. rewriting it, but <laughs> um, <laughs> until you had first, it where you could start shooting, I guess. I mean, well, because the first draft, I mean, the pilot draft was like 35 pages, and I probably expanded it over two weeks, maybe. Um, that was going from I was writing an additional 50 pages, I guess. Yeah. Um, so once you decided to do it, you started hammering this thing out. And you're like, oh, yeah. And right. I was already, like, location scouting um, with Murphy, who's one of the lead actors in it, because he has family. What's, kinda, what's the, brief, uh, the brief log line of it? What's, what's uh, It's about uh, a thief who um, steals a mysterious object, and she destroys it. Um, and when she does, she is fused in body and soul to the like sociopath killer who's trying to get it back. So it's like, uh, that's pretty I really like, I really like the trope of, uh, I guess people who would like hate each other having to like team up for a common purpose. So it's kind of like an exploration of that. Um, it's really weird. <laughs> it's like, it's sort of like, it's sort of like Buffy and breaking bad and a bunch of other yeah, stuff. I've seen some of the stills with Murphy in those, uh, contacts in his eyes. Yeah. He looks like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been. I love it. It's, yeah, it's been fun. It's literally like it's no budget filmmaking. Like it's everybody just giving their time and hardest effort, and it's it's fun. It's right now I'm like s stressing over like schedule stuff because how much more do you have to, to shoot? Point. Well, we've shot we've shot like a third of the script, and I've cut everything as a first pass. So there's like 40 minutes cut right now. But I'm like constantly, I'm like, again, constantly adding new stuff, tweaking what I have. Um, and we've shot, I think we've shot four weekends now, three or four. The first weekend was insane. It was like, we shot 20 pages in like a day and a half and the cops came. <laughs> uh, so, so 
had a little bit of everything to deal with. Yeah, and then the last time we shot was like a mess because it wasn't a mess, but we like uh, it was. I was planning to do like another huge shoot, like the first week, like we were gonna shoot like I think eighteen pages. And the day before, I had a huge event for work where I worked like a fourteen-hour day, and oh, man. I like, so you didn't were totally sleep. I didn't, I didn't sleep that well, and I was like trying to prep for the shoot. And we had a lot of like the beginning of it was a lot of like more technical uh, camera and movement stuff, and then it was like probably three big dialogue scenes, and we only got the first big dialogue scene because like. I was, I was literally like falling asleep, standing up, and like everybody else was like getting there. Cause we went from, we filmed from about six to 3 a.m. And I originally thought we could just go to the sun, sunrise, but like by like, there was a certain breaking point where like me, Murphy, and Jen were trying to block this scene. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm so tired. I was like, I'm, <laughs> Where I'm am sorry, I? guys. I'm I sorry, do. guys. I'm gonna have to like, we're gonna have to like pick this up because yeah, I feel it's like it's, worth, gonna, Im- uh, it's gonna impact the quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah was, def- I definitely look forward to where that goes. So hopefully this yeah, we'll see. This hopefully, year get yeah. it all together. <laughs> I'm hoping we'll be done shooting in like maybe March. We'll see. I want to be. I I originally thought we'd be done shooting like before December, but that was me being so naive. Yeah, You're like if we could <laughs> just do fuck the lake like four times in a row. Yeah, that was <laughs> we'll that was up. the idea, but that quickly <laughs> deteriorates, and you're always scrambling for like. It's a, our our crew is so bare bones now. It's it's literally like me, Ryan, and whoever we can get to hold the boom. That's all. That's <laughs> that's, that's our entire crew the entire time. And it's just like it's it's hard, but it's it's worth yeah. it. Hopefully, that's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to be yeah. like that. It's exhausting. Yeah. And then but. yeah, and then trying to get other stuff. Still pursuing Chase the Dark. We'll see. Many avenues. Got to get. I need closure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get there. Yeah. So maybe maybe just a couple quick questions like um, mm-hmm. who or who's like one of your biggest influences I guess in film? Do you have anyone that stands out maybe from uh, early on when you were interested in doing this or someone that you follow now that it could be um, director director of photography? I don't know who's who's kind of your biggest yeah. biggest person that you look up to in the film industry. That's really hard. Um, it's funny because when I when I like think when I think of like when I was like probably in college, a big influence who I don't really like like his films that much anymore. Really, was Robert Rodriguez just because he was he sort of had like that can do attitude of and literally doing everything himself that with no budget. Um, I don't really like his movies anymore. Like, yeah, I'm kind <laughs> like, of the same way. I was inspired by what is it, Rebel Without a Crew? Is that his book? Oh yeah, that's read? a great book too. Yeah. He basically. Um, put himself in medical testing so he could get the yep. money to shoot his first movie. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I love the, I love the spirit and all that, but I kind of, yeah, just his movies in general, I'm not a big fan of anymore. Um, who else? Director like of photography wise. Who's, who's one or two oh. top guys. I mean, Wally Fitzer is kind of amazing. I think he has a great eye, even though apparently he's a terrible director, which I haven't seen. Tra- I haven't <laughs> yeah, seen I Transcendence yet. The reviews um, were so terrible. I was like, oh, can't bring myself. Yeah, man, I should have thought about some of these. Um, uh, that's all right. How there's about just, there's so many to choose from, <laughs> and yeah, nothing like good ones. Nothing narrows down for me in my mind immediately. Is there a style that you identify more with? Uh not really. I don't think so. I'm sure. I feel like I probably have an identifiable style. Maybe I don't know. It's hard. I I like. It's. I I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like articulating stuff verbally a lot. So I like with most things. I like to just do it, and then maybe after the fact, think about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to. How about in terms of? uh, I'm I'm giving terrible answers for all these questions. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> How about in terms of like a uh, most recommended book or film even? Like what's if someone asks you, you know, what what should I read or go watch? What are some of the things that you recommend the most? Mm. Over, n- yeah. It doesn't have to be recently. It could just be over time. Like what's your most recommended media? Art media. <laughs> <laughs> most recommended yeah, it's art or media. I mean, I think... There's a, I feel like 
of the past decade, I've probably watched There Will Be Blood like a hundred times. So I always come to that because I feel like we, strangely outside of film nerds, not a lot of people have seen that movie. That's true. Um, it's a long movie. Yeah, it's long. It's really intense and brooding, and it's not about a likable character. But there's a lot of there's probably a lot of like stylistic things in there that I love. Um, yeah, I love There Will Be Blood. Um, uh, and it's funny because you just talked about it. Rebel Without a Crew is a pretty good book about indie filmmaking. Yeah. Though a lot of a lot of like the mechanics of the business have changed so much. If you like, if you reread that now, it's like none of this applies <laughs> to that's anything that's going on now. I mean, just the technology uh, has made it a different world but, too. Yeah, but the drive is still there. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I like There Will Be Blood a lot. I cool. watch it probably twice a year. <laughs> It's a great movie, PTA. Yeah. Yep. So and Hair um, Advice, you need to see that. Oh yeah, yeah. You've seen it. It's, it's good. I need it's to check great. It out. I'm yeah. terrible about going to movies, but I will see that one. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you online? Like I know you've got um, a video page with a lot of your work on it. And- yeah, I have a Vimeo. It's just Vimeo.com slash Sean Cruiser. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Sean Cruiser. It's all my name. People can probably hack all my stuff pretty easily. It's just my name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, North Korea so yeah, might get I, in there. Tw- and then I have an Instagram, which is also Sean Cruiser, <laughs> where I post a lot of uh, baby pictures from dogs. <laughs> baby, yeah, baby pictures, dogs, and a lot of stills from random stuff I shoot with the dragon. Like I just shot a bunch of stuff last night. I was hoping there would be a great, like the last like three nights have been really gorgeous sunsets, but like it was all happening when I was driving home in traffic. So <laughs> like I actually is, was able to get. Well, home. I mean, you're in traffic. You could just get out of the car and take a picture. <laughs> yeah. It's LA. But I, well, I have. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to shoot with the dragon. So yesterday I uh, I thought I could get some good footage. So I got home a little early and it was a pretty lame sunset. So I was. That's all right. And you, you guys also have a Burning Shades Productions Facebook page too, right? Yeah. Burning Shade. I think just Burning Shade Productions is on Facebook. Mostly just. we try and just put finished material there so a lot of the stuff on there is still just for like fuck the lake because that was the last yeah. big and then a few things for far off now yeah do, um, do, is there a url yeah. for fuck the lake because you actually have that up where people can go yeah it fuck the lake of- it's on yeah it's on my vimeo page and then there's also uh on vhx which is one of the self-distribution sites um it's i think it's yeah fuck the lake dot vhx.tv I think so. If you just search "fuck the lake," it's there's not going to be many results up. except for <laughs> yeah. the except for the short film. Lots of um, things named that. Yeah, and it has like the film. You can you buy and, or download it. Um, and there's we did we did commentaries. You and I did one. Did one with the actor and Ryan, and then one by myself. And we have outtakes. It's pretty cool. Like it's basically a digital DVD, um, which I like the idea of. I hope more people start doing that because I feel like a lot of that stuff is now. Kind of gone, gone away. Especially yeah. with Blu-rays. everything's online now. No one, no one buys yeah. DVDs anymore. So yeah, it's a it's, it's a cool true. site. It's definitely worth checking yeah. out. Yeah, there are a few others like it too, but that's the one that I found. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I think we can uh, wrap it up. It was uh, definitely awesome having you on here for the first yeah. episode. So thanks for nice having to, me. Nice to talk, talk with a friend and fellow filmmaker you're doing a ton of work shitty answers to all your questions (laughs) no you had a lot of good stuff man so i appreciate it Um, no problem so everyone go check sean out online um and uh you can follow me at john jerko on twitter and on instagram and there's more about odyssey and muse um at odysseyandmuse.com i also have some show notes up there too with some of the things that we talked about so until next time uh you guys have a good one all right